Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Good morning, Radiant Church. Good morning. Radiant family. I was wondering if I was going to have to check the pulse, and then we got to what a mighty God we serve, and I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> if that don't get you, then you, you, you still sleeping, man. You're still sleeping. Um, I'm Michael. I am the artist formerly known as the guy with the man bun, formerly known as the guy with the beard, and now I'm known as uh, Joy's husband. So that's, that's where we're at. Uh, pleasure and an honor to get to be here with you guys this week. Um, Pastor Philip asked me if I'd come speak on joy, probably because I uh, have joy until death do us part. I got joy in the morning, afternoon, evening. I got, I got a lot of joy. So... Um, so I, I appreciate the opportunity and the honor. Um, I spent a lot of time this week thinking about, reading about, listening to uh, stuff on joy, both both Christian and secular. Um, everybody's got an idea about why only Christians have joy and everybody else is left with petty happiness, um, or why joy is something inside and, and uh, happiness is something from the outside. And so I uh, really felt like it was just splitting hairs, talking about two very abstract ideas, that is joy and happiness. And so for the, for the sake of our conversation today, uh, I want to use some of Jesus phraseology to talk about joy. So if you have your Bibles and you'll open up to John chapter 15, we're going to look at a couple of verses there. If you don't have a Bible, if you raise your hand, uh, one of these fine folks right here will put one in it. Um, if you don't own a Bible, uh, or if you don't own a Bible that you can actually read, something a little newer than KJV, um, even the new KJV is hard to read. Uh, you can take this Bible home, put your name in it, uh, and it can be for you. It's very readable. It's the New Living Translation, uh, and that's what I'm going to be reading out of today. Uh, so we're going to pick up John chapter 15, verse 9. This is in the middle of Jesus talking to his disciples in terms of their relationship using the metaphor of a a vine and the branches, okay? So we're going to pick up verse 9, and we're going to read through verse 13. Verse 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here is how you measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. We see Jesus here talking about saying that he will fill us with his joy. Now, we all know that there is joy that we get from circumstances, from our surroundings. When my whether, and that's whether we're a Christian or not, when my son Mateo is happy and when he's in a good mood and when he's giggling and smiling, uh, my heart is filled with joy. And I know that's probably true even for people who don't follow Jesus. So I, I just want to say as Christians, we don't own joy. It's not just ours. There is joy to be had uh, outside of a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus says here in chapter 15 that he's going to fill us with his joy. And so for sake of our conversation today, I want to talk about Jesus' joy, J-E-S-U-S apostrophe, joy, Jesus' joy, and circumstantial joy. That is 
joy that comes from Jesus and joy that comes from our circumstances aligning with our desires. Okay, so let's pray and then we'll dive into the scriptures. Father God in heaven, you are powerful and you are a mighty God. What a mighty and powerful God we serve. God, by your power, you have rescued us from sin and darkness, God, and it is with your mighty hand that you will see us through death into eternal life with you. Father, you are kind and you are generous. God, in your kindness, you've given us your Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us. And out of your generosity, you have preserved your scriptures. You have translated your scriptures so that we can hold them in our hands and read them for ourselves. God, would you by your spirit and through your word teach us, encourage us, uh, reveal your truth to us. And Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Okay. Three things I want us to leave here understanding about Jesus' joy today. What is it? Where does it come from? And how do we live in it? Um, So I think circumstantial joy, we're all very familiar with. I don't need to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, As we understand that there are circumstances that bring us joy, and we also understand that because that joy is from external circumstances, just as quickly as as it brings us joy, it also brings us despair, loneliness, heartache, pain, all of the emotions and feelings that rob us of our joy. So if we're, if we're looking to our spouses as sources of our ultimate joy, we are going to be disappointed. Because even if everything goes as well as possibly planned until death do us part, one spouse is going to leave this earth before the other, and so one spouse is inevitably going to be left alone. So not only that, but our spouses are fallen human beings. And so if our ultimate joy comes from their love for us or their behavior towards us, then we're destined for disappointment. Some of you know that very well. If our source of joy is our career, if we look forward to the joy that comes every time we climb a rung, every time we get a pay raise, every time we get more responsibility or more authority, when we hit the top rung and we hit the ceiling, what's going to happen? We are going to be left wanting. If our source of joy is any physical pleasure that this world has to offer, we will be disappointed. We don't have to look any further than King David and King Solomon, two of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the history of the world. If their eyes or their hearts or their stomachs desired it, they had it. You read Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 at the end of chapter 2 after having experienced and and enjoyed all the pleasures this world has to offer. The writer says what? It is all futile. It is like chasing the wind. Guys, we were created for, we have an inner longing for a joy that this world cannot deliver. I think to understand joy, Jesus' joy, we need to understand that Jesus' joy is a product of our faith and our hope and our peace in Jesus. I'm glad that Pastor Neil and Pastor Philip talked about hope and peace the last two weeks before this one because I believe Jesus' joy is a product of our faith in Jesus and our hope in Jesus and our peace in Jesus. Let me tell you what I mean. 
when we put our faith in Jesus, He gives us something to hope for. Our faith in Jesus informs our hope. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. When we put our faith in Jesus, our hope is what? Our hope is that we will spend eternity in heaven with Him. Amen? Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, some of my, two of my favorite chapters in the Bible, they are a record and a reminder of all of those who went before us in the faith. And what were they doing? They were looking forward to, hoping for a better place, a heavenly homeland, as Hebrews chapters 11 calls it. So we put our faith in Jesus and we get hope. Secondly, we put our faith in Jesus and what does He do for us immediately? He forgives our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He restores us to right relationship with God. Jesus makes peace between us and God. Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God. And so our faith in Jesus puts us at peace with God. And when we are at peace with God, peace, and our hope of eternal salvation is secure, then we look forward to receiving our inheritance as God's children with joyful anticipation. So this answers the first question, what is Jesus' joy? Jesus' joy is our eager expectation of our inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. Let me put it to you in Christmas speak. Jesus' joy is knowing that the greatest gift, the gift you have always wanted, is wrapped up right there underneath the tree, and you can hardly wait till Christmas morning. My young folks are identifying with me now, right? Knowing that present is there, knowing that gift is there, and just you can barely wait for it on Christmas morning. That's what Jesus' joy is. Second question is, where does Jesus' joy come from? Well, Ephesians 1.13 says, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us everything He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. So it comes from the Holy Spirit, and what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Can somebody help me out? Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Good, good. So, So not only do we know what the gift is, but we go over to the gift under the tree, and you look at it, and what's written on it? Our name. So not only do we know what it is, but we know it is guaranteed for us by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Last question, how do we live then in Jesus' joy? Well, look at our John 15 passage. The statement about Jesus, about us being filled with Jesus' joy, with His joy, is sandwiched between what I believe is the answer to how we live In Jesus' joy, verse 9 says, remain in my love. Verse 11 says, love each other. Remain in my love, abide. Love each other, belong. If we want Jesus' joy, then we have to develop some healthy rhythms of abiding in Him. Healthy rhythms that help us remain in Him and help His Word to remain in us. Spending time in God's Word. Fasting, prayer, meditation, memorization. We used to call them disciplines. We don't like discipline. 
Because when my pastor says, how's it going? I don't want to be like, I'm undisciplined this week. I want to say, I'm out of rhythm. I just, I'm a little bit offbeat, you know. Courtney can testify, I'm offbeat occasionally. But we like, we like, we like rhythms better than, than, and that's fine. But we got to develop healthy rhythms that help us abide in Him. In Christmas terms, in Christmas terms, we got to wa- keep watching the, the advertisements and the commercials that remind us about the gift that we are about to receive. We got to watch the TikTok videos and the YouTube videos that show us the features and the facets of the gift that's coming for us. We've, listen, the evil one would love nothing more than to rob us of our joy, right? Because he knows that the joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. And so we have got to arm ourselves in defense of our Jesus joy with the word of God. Amen. And when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what was his weapon against the evil one? And Jesus is the word of God. So how much more should we who are not the word of God arm ourselves with the word of God in defense of our Jesus joy? We cannot abide in him We cannot obey His commands if His words are not written on our hearts. Paul gives us some good advice also in in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians is one of the most joy-filled books in the Bible. The Apostle Paul uses the Greek words for joy and rejoicing 16 times, and it's only 104 verses in that letter. And let me remind you, Paul is writing this letter from jail either two months or two years from being executed. We don't know, but death is coming for him. And so he's writing us. Let's see what Paul says about abiding in Christ, about living in Jesus' joy. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, fix your thoughts now on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's chapter 4. In this age of information... All that is out there and easily accessible, 99% of it is the opposite of true and right and noble and admirable and lovely. Listen, you have to work to go find good stuff to look at and to listen to. Am I right? You got to work at it. You can stumble into a whole bunch of junk, but you got to be looking for something that is good and right and true, especially in terms of what our kids are putting in front of them, right? You, that is hard work. Because even the stuff that's supposed to be for kids, it ain't for kids. And y'all know who I'm talking about, all right? You got to work hard for that. So we, we must choose to implant the Word of God in our hearts. We must remind ourselves of God's faithfulness to us and His faithfulness to the saints before us. And we have to choose to input from this world what is good and right and true And that reminds us of that gift that's waiting for us. That's how we abide in Christ. That's how we live in Jesus' joy. Jesus says, remain in my love, abide. And then he says, love each other, belong. How can we love one another with the sacrificial love 
with which Jesus loved us if we do not belong in a, to our faith family. And listen, belonging is not attending. Attending a church service once a week is not belonging. Belonging is not good morning, nice to see you, have a great day, see you later. Look at verse 13, Jesus says, love one another the same way I loved you. And verse 13 measures it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. The love for one another that Jesus is commanding is sacrificial. One of the reasons that we're moving to a group-centric model is to create more space for genuine community. It is to create more space for us to actually know one another's needs, to create more space for us to know one another's struggles so that we can begin to really act towards one another like the family we say we are. Love one another. We must belong. The Christian faith was not meant to be practiced solo. Listen, when Christians live in community, we experience twice as much joy and half as much sorrow because we rejoice with one another and we bear one another's burdens. Amen. How much joy filled the room when we had that baptism two weeks ago? Hallelujah. The place erupted in joy. We're sharing in one another's joy and we're bearing one another's burdens. So what what does living in Jesus' joy look like? when we find ourselves in in circumstances of uncertainty, when we don't know what's going to happen next and we have no idea how we're going to get out of the situation, when the bank account isn't adding up to the bills, when we have needs that we cannot meet ourselves, what what does living in Jesus' joy look like when our circumstance says you should really be worried? You are in trouble. This doesn't look good. Living in Jesus' joy looks like the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures reminding us of what Luke 12, 22 says. Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear, for life consists of more than food and clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Now, I know that doesn't put food on the table, but let me tell you what does. It is our brothers and sisters who we are belonging to, and we are doing life with and know our needs and know our struggles. It is them bearing witness to God's track record of faithfulness in their lives. It is them reminding us of God's faithfulness in our lives, and then it is us materially and sacrificially caring for one another so that none are in need. It's bearing one another's burdens. Amen. Quick story. I, uh, before I was married, 23, 4, 5, I don't know, I was living in northern Iraq doing ministry uh, and doing it with a family, husband, wife, two daughters, and they kind of adopted me as their their son or their brother. They weren't that much older than me. Um, and so I, I began to belong as a part of their family and did the go- shared the gospel, man, did ministry, had a lot of fun with them. Um, but uh, his wife named Susan uh, was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And so they had to leave the field and go home and, and just experience an agonizing, agonizing death as not a, a pretty way to go. Um, and so we went to Missouri and we mourned with them and we grieved with them and we buried her and we loved on them and prayed over them. Um, and then fast forward about five or six years, um, my wife and I were going through a time of, of uncertainty. Um, 
we were uncertain about where the rent check was coming from in three days. And so I kind of jokingly and prayerfully said to my wife, well, Lord's just going to have to send us a check in the mail because I got nothing. I don't have any rich aunts or uncles to call or I got nothing. And listen, y'all, if I'm lying, I'm flying. I walk out to the mailbox and there's a card from my buddy in Missouri. And I open the card and it says, man, listen, ever since Susan died, I've been getting a life insurance check every month. And he said, every month we tithe on that check. And he said, this is the last check. And I know that Susan would want you to have this. One dollar more than the rent. Talk about joy in my heart. But then when I called him and told him, he had no idea what he'd done. I called him and told him, do you know the joy that filled his heart? And not joy that took away his sorrow, but joy that carried him through his sorrow to see what God had done. Amen. That's what living in Jesus' joy looks like. What does living in Jesus' joy look like in our struggle against sin? When we're when we, what we want to do, we can't do. And then the things that we don't want to do, we can't stop doing. When our circumstance says you're dirty, you're broken beyond repair, you're of no value, you're worthless, you're a lost cause. What does is, what is living in Jesus' joy look like there? Well, it looks like the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures reminding us of a Jesus response to sinners. Amen? We remember Jesus at the religious leader's house, and there comes a sinful woman, and she's found weeping over his feet and wiping her, his feet with her hair and crying over his feet. And the religious leader says, man, if you knew who she was, Jesus, if you knew how dirty, how sinful, how awful she was, Jesus, in my, in my commentary, looks at the guy and says, you got no idea who I am. And he looks at the sinful woman who was covered in sin, and he says to her, what? Your faith has saved you. Your sins are forgiven. And then our brothers and sisters who we belong to come alongside us and they create safe spaces for us to be honest and for us to be vulnerable and for us to confess our sins. And James 5.16 says when we confess our sins to one another, what happens? We are healed. Hallelujah. That's joy. That is living in Jesus' joy, being freed from sin and guilt and shame. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're almost done. Stick with me. What about when death comes for those we love? What does living in Jesus' joy look like when we're weeping and mourning and grieving? Guys, I know this Sunday is about joy, but we've got to talk about a little bit of sorrow if we really want to understand Jesus' joy. In times of struggle with death, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, they come along and they remind us that our Savior is no stranger to sorrow and suffering. Reminds us that we have a Savior who, when he heard about his dear friend Lazarus' death, he wept and he was grieved and he mourned. And then he walked up to Lazarus' grave and he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus immediately walked out of the grave, grave clothes on and all. Living in Jesus' joy is the scriptures and the spirit reminding us that death is not the end for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it's our brothers and sisters who we belong to, 
coming alongside of us and they mourn with us and they weep with us and they grieve with us and they bring food to our homes and they come to the gravesite with us and they embrace us and they pray for us and they pray over us and they walk through hardships with us. That is what Jesus' joy looks like in the midst of the struggle with death. Jesus says, remain in me, abide, love each other, belong, radiant family, our source of joy is not our circumstance. Our source of joy is our Savior, right? And the joy of our Lord is our strength. Amen? If you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, if you feel like the circumstantial joy that you can catch from here and pick up there and grasp onto over here, if you feel like what the world has to offer is good enough, listen, the statistics say sorrow is coming, depression is coming, uncertainty is coming. The World Health Organization estimates in the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, the prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by a massive 25%. Young people and women being disproportionately at risk of suicidal and self-harming behaviors as a result. National Institute of Mental Health estimates that 25% of females, listen to the ages, age 12 to 17. 12 to 17, minimal responsibility. Go to school and come home. Ages 12 to 17 had at least one major depressive episode in 2020. A major depressive episode defined as this, at least two weeks of depression, loss of interest or pleasure in daily activities, and experience with a symptom of uh, symptomatic problems with sleep, eating, energy, concentration, and self-worth. Not or, and. 25% of Americans are taking prescription mental health medication. That doesn't count the ones who are smoking and drinking their sorrows away. If your joy is dependent on, derived from, or diminished by external circumstances, you are drinking from a shallow well. There is a joy that overflows, but it is Jesus' joy. Amen. If you're here today and you're a believer, but you're not living in Jesus' joy, or at least you don't feel like it, the the formula is simple. Abide, belong. We talk about it all day long here. And family, if you are here today, and you are following Jesus, and you are abiding, and you are belonging, and you got the joy, 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 joy down in your heart, you got to go tell somebody. You got to go tell somebody about the good news of great joy that is for all people. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com slash giving.